Ishtar's journey into the underworld. Ishtar was the lady of the gods, the goddess of fertility, the goddess of heaven. She had been unlucky in love. Her husband, Tammuz, the great love of her youth, had died when she was still very young. She'd fallen in love with Gilgamesh, that great king, but he had spurned her advances. In Babylon, the dead were sent to the underworld, a place of darkness ruled over by the goddess Arishkagal. It was said that in this place, they lived on dust and mud. After being rejected by Gilgamesh, Ishtar became depressed and decided she would descend into the underworld to be with Tammuz. So dressed in her finest garments, brilliant jewellery and high crown, Ishtar entered the cave that leads into the underworld. Arishkagil's realm was surrounded by seven walls, each with its own gate that had to be passed to get to the dark place where the dead reside. When she got to the first gate, Ishtar called out to the watchman. Yo, watchman, please open this gate and let me enter. The watchman's face peered at her over the gate. He didn't say anything, but he didn't open the gate either. So she called out again. Watchman, you don't open this gate for me. I will force it open. I will break it down and I will set free all the dead that reside in this dreadful dark place. I will set them free from their gloom and the rule of your merciless mistress and take them to the land of the living. The dead will be so plentiful on earth that they will take over from the living. Nedu, as the watchman was called, looked at this fine lady, her crowned head held high in her splendid attire and said, Please, lady, don't break down the gate. I will go and take your message to the lady, Arishka girl. Please wait until I get back. When Arishka girl heard that Ishtar demanded to be admitted to her realm, she was terribly angry. She thought she would teach this intruder a lesson and instructed her watchman to admit the proud lady. Nedu returned to the first gate and opened all the bolts and locks. Enter the realm of Arishka girl, fine lady, he said. Welcome to the place from where nobody ever returns. And as he spoke, he took Ishtar's crown. She wanted to know why he had taken her crown. Oh, lady, he said, if you wish to enter, you must sip, submit to the law of Lady Arishka girl. She bent her head and went through the first gate. Ishtar walked the short distance to the second gate. The watchman opened all the bolts and locks and said, Enter into the realm of Arishkakul, fine lady. Welcome to the place where we, where nobody ever returns. As he spoke, he took the eight-pointed star which adorned her neck. She wanted to know why he had taken her jewel. Oh, lady, he said, this is the law of Lady Arishkakul. She bent her head, her radiance gone, and went through the second gate. Ishtar walked the short distance to the third gate. The watchman opened all the bolts and locks and said, Enter into the realm of Arishka, go fine lady. Welcome to the place where nobody ever returns. As he spoke, he took the gold and bejeweled bracelets from her wrists. She wanted to know why he had taken her bracelets. Oh, lady, he said, this is the law of Lady Arishka, go. She bent her head. Her radiance gone, and without her magnificent gold ornaments, she went through the third gate. Ishtar walked the short distance to the fourth gate. 
The watchman opened all the bolts and locks and said, Enter into the realm of a rich-cuckle fine lady. Welcome to the place from where nobody ever returned. As he spoke, he took the shoes off her feet. She wanted to know why he had taken her shoes. Oh, lady, he said, this is the law of uh, Lady Arishkugel. She bent her head, her radiance gone, and without her magnificent gold ornaments barefooted, she went through the fourth gate. Ishtar walked the short distance to the fifth gate. The watchman opened all the bolts and locks and said, Enter into the realm of Arishkugel, fine lady. Welcome to the place from where nobody ever returns. As he spoke, he took the splendid veil that covered her face. She wanted to know why he had taken her veil. Oh, lady, he said, this is the law of Lady Arishkugel. She bent her head, her radiance gone. Without her magnificent gold ornaments, barefooted, barefaced, she went through the fifth gate. Ishtar walked the short distance to the sixth gate. The watchman opened all the bolts and locks and said, Enter into the realm of a rich-cuckle fine lady. Welcome to the place from where nobody ever returned. As he spoke, he took her magnificent outer robe. She wanted to know why he had taken her outer robe. Oh, lady, he said, this is the law of Lady Arishkugel. She bent her head. Her radiance gone without her magnificent gold ornaments, without the protection of her outer robe, barefooted and barefaced, she went through the sixth gate. Ishtar walked the short distance to the seventh gate. The watchman opened all the bolts and locks and said, Enter into the realm of Arishkugel, fine lady, welcome to the place from where nobody ever returned. As he spoke, he took her dress. She wanted to know why he had taken her dress, leaving her quite naked. Oh, lady, he said, this is the law of Lady Arishkugel. And naked now, she bent her head, her radiance gone, and without her magnificent gold ornaments, without the protection of her outer robe, barefooted and barefaced, she went through the seventh gate where she found Arishkugel. Arishkigal, the queen of the underworld, had the head of a lioness and the body of a woman. In her arms, she carried her pet, a deadly serpent. She summoned Balisari, the lady of the desert, who was her scribe, and who came carrying the clay tablets on which all of Arishkigal's deep decrees would be written down. Behind these two, the dead gathered. There were no light in their eyes. They were dressed not in cloth but feathers and instead of arms and hands they had the wings of birds. They lived in darkness. Ishtar became frightfully anxious seeing them and she wished she had never ventured in this dark place. She had expected to find Tammuz here but now she realised that this was a hopeless quest. Desperate, she begged Arishkigal to allow her to return to the land of the living. Arishkakil uttered a cold and contemptuous laugh and when she spoke it was as if an icy wind blew against Ishtar's naked body. Arishkakil said, Ishtar, you may be the lady of the heavens, but you are in my realm now and nobody returns from this dark place. This is called the house of darkness for good reason and whoever enters here Magistrate or warrior, king or shepherd, milkmaid or goddess can never return. Whoever enters this house has no more need of light. Dust will be your bread and mud will be your meat. Your dress will be a cloak of feathers. The gates are already bolted behind you, lady.
Having said this, Arishkigal summoned Namtar, the demon of the plague. Namtar appeared from the darkness, a viper's head on a human's body, naked underneath a cloak made of bones and eagle's claws instead of feet. He embraced Ishtar, making sure that the plague spread over her whole body. Feathers grew on her and the light disappeared from her eyes. She tasted dust and ate mud. All memory of her past existence of her great love, Tammuz, disappeared with the light. On earth, a great change came when Ishtar descended into the underworld. Love and desire became strangers to man and animal alike. Birds no longer sang. Bulls no longer searched out the cows. Stallions were no longer attracted to mares. Rams no longer cared for ewes. Wives no longer caressed their husbands when they returned from business or war. Husbands no longer longed to lie with their wives. The women in Ishtar's temple became lonely. Nobody wanted to spend time drinking and singing and making merry with them. Shamash, the sun god, was deeply perturbed when he saw the changes that had befallen Earth. He could foresee the disaster that awaited Earth. Without procreation, without regeneration, there would be no life left on Earth once the people and animals who were there now died off. The beings that the gods had created would all be extinct. He knew this was because of Ishtar's descent into the underworld, but he also knew that his power was not great enough to overcome Arishkagal. So Shamash went to see Ea, the great god, and told him that Earth's creatures were not renewing themselves. How is this possible? asked Ea. Shamash then related that Ishtar had descended to the underworld in search of Tammuz and had not returned. Ea then created a being he called Odushanamiya, which he made devoid of all emotion or fear. With the power of all the gods, Ea sent him as an emissary to the underworld court of Arishkagal, where he would demand the water of life from the Dark Queen. Because Odushanamiya had been created by Ea, the great god, Arishkagal had no power over this creature and could not stop it entering her realm. So Odushanamir entered the underworld and stood before Ereshkigal where he demanded in the name of the great gods that Ereshkigal provide him with the water of life and that Ishtar be brought from the darkness. Of course Ereshkigal was furious at this demand. Her body trembled with rage as she roared and cursed both Ishtar and the emissary and the gods everywhere. But to no avail. Udushanamir, being devoid of all emotional fear, was unaffected either by the terrible sights in this dark place or by Ereshkigal's curses. Ereshkigal could do nothing but submit, and she ordered the water of life to be given to this creature, and so it was. She then summoned Namta and ordered him to bring the Lady of the Gods from the darkness. Ishtar, covered in feathers and her feathers covered in dust, was brought before Udushanamir who then liberally sprinkled the water of life all over her. The dust fell of Ishtar, the mud fell of Ishtar, and her feathers and bird wings fell off her. She was alive again. So she stood before her enemy, Arishkigal, her head still bowed, colourless, weaker than a newborn human, just as naked and shaking like a leaf in the storm, but dead no longer. Udushanamir guided her through the darkness to the seventh gate, where Nadu, the watchman, handed her the dress he had taken from her earlier. She covered her nakedness with it. She passed through the seventh gate and Udushanamir guided her to the sixth gate. The watchman opened it and gave her back her outer garment which she put on over her dress. She passed through the sixth 
gate. Udusha Namir guided her to the fifth gate. The watchman opened it and he handed her back her splendid veil. She took the veil and covered her face, then passed through the fifth gate. Udusha Namir guided her to the fourth gate, where the watchman handed her back her shoes. She put them on her bare feet and proceeded through the fourth gate. Udusha Namir guided her to the third gate. The watchman opened it and handed her back her bejeweled bracelets. She took the bracelets and put them on her bare wrists. She passed through the third gate. Udusha Namir guided her to the second gate. The watchman opened it and gave her back the magnificent eight-pointed star. Ishtar accepted the jewel and put it back on her neck. She walked through the second gate. Udusha Namir guided her to the first gate. The watchman opened it gave her back her high crown. She took it in her hand and put it back on her head. Now Ishtar, her garments and ornaments reinstated, could leave the realm of Rishkagal. When she emerged from the cave, the earth was silent. There was no bird song. No sounds came from the herds of cows and goats. No sailor's songs came from the harbour. No music came from her temple. But as she walked from the cave, her power returned, her neck straightened, her head bowed no longer, her splendour shone brilliantly, and she walked as a goddess once more, a smile on her face. The stallion bayed and the bull bellowed, the rams reared high, soldiers and merchants alike made excuses to rush home to their wives' fond embraces. The women in Eshtar's temple picked up their instruments and sang beguiling words to the men passing by below. All of creation rejoiced in the return of Ishtar and all the gods rejoiced too, knowing that their creations would renew themselves and would survive to honour and serve them.